Hi folks, Gary Kelly here from gkmedia.ie. I'm delighted with this week's guest because this man knows digital marketing inside out. Kieran O'Malley, aka the Galway player, has been the king of social media for over 10 years, especially here in the West of Ireland. He's written numerous blogs. He's been on national radio numerous times. He has numerous followers. Him and the team at the Connacht Hospitality Group in Galway have won numerous awards and he just knows how social media and digital marketing works. In this episode, Kieran chats to me about the future of digital marketing, influencers and what you should be doing online now to grow more traction. Prepare for a masterclass in digital marketing. This is a GK Media Podcast. So the coronavirus outbreak has forced companies to pivot their entire business model with many having to launch digital initiatives with little time and few resources. Kieran O'Malley, thanks for joining us on Gary Talks. My pleasure, Gary. Great to be here. Tell our listeners about how did you get involved in digital marketing? Because originally you are a banker. And I said that would a B. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Well, actually, it was while I was a barman, I was, my brother was getting very interested in Twitter. And um, I just, I think like a lot of people, I started it, couldn't really get to grips with it, gave it up and then got back into it. And just, I found it really interesting. And then as part of my job with the barman, you know, I was single, I've seen a lot of stuff going on. And I just had this idea one evening of setting up a Twitter account as in the mentality of one of these guys that's coming in talking rubbish to women in the bar and it just will give me an avenue to talk about the funny things that we're kind of seeing at work and never really thought it would go anywhere or anything just got really interested in it and it grew and grew there was great engagement with it and then that gave me the opportunity to to go on iRadio right with Go Independent and things just kind of snowballed from there. Did the Galway player work Kieran because people thought he was real that this was actual someone's genuine thoughts or because it was so funny well i think it's it's a bit of both for a start it was anonymous and that was essential to the success of it if kieran o'malley had come out saying guys you need to do this on dates or that on dates nobody would take any heed so apart from the content which was okay it was the fact who is this fella and then i get so many tweets when i was on the radio it's like he's either drunk or he's a d xxx and ask him you know so that it was a combination of the fact like what you were saying was that bit exaggerated and there was humor to it but people were trying to figure out who i was i used to get messages all the time are you such a guy such a guy it was very funny so a huge part of it was that people were trying to figure out who it was so that kind of was the hook and then the content kept them there and kept building up the audience and stuff and would that work on Twitter today? Because Twitter is very much different from when you started. No, I think I, well, the content that I was saying, the kind of the dating advice and being as cheeky as I was, I don't think it would work in the same way today. I think Twitter is possibly a, a different place now. It's at the time when I started out, people were only getting into it and weren't tweeting as much. So people were retweeting an awful lot more and it was easier to get your message out there. Whereas now, it's it's almost like a train of consciousness for people. So there's so much content out there. In some ways, it's hard to stand out. And then there's a lot of nastiness as well, uh, unfortunately, on that platform. So 
I'm not sure it would work in the same way. I, I definitely wouldn't work uh, that type of a character. But, um, you know, there's still some brilliant people doing really well on Twitter. But even the likes of, say, Deluded Brendan, and there was a lot of brilliant parody Twitter accounts. You don't see them as successful at the moment, character accounts. How many followers do you have on Twitter now, do you know, roughly? Over 14,000, 14 and a half or something. So how does one go from having so many followers on Twitter to actually leaving a job as a barman, leaving a job working in the bank to actually still making a living? Well, I guess I was I was lucky. I, I, part of what I was doing, uh, you know, you'd be going on the radio and you'd be talking about your social life and nights out. So I was able to mention a lot of bars and restaurants and things that I was doing. And I developed uh, a friendship with Doug Ledden, who was working in the with on Pucon at the time. And their main marketing strategy was using social media. So I was being invited to a lot of these events, a lot of events around in, in different places around the city, but particularly the events that on Pucon were running. And I just saw it and I got, you know, became friendly with him and I was like, listen, I need a job like this. Do you know anyone that's hiring or any other jobs like this? And I worked for them kind of for free for a few months to show them that I was, you know, because I thought I was creative and witty and that it would fit in with the brand that they have. And then, you know, I got to know the people in the office and management and stuff. And after a few months, got offered a full-time job there. So I was doing the marketing with Doug for Umpukwan and the Connacht Hotel as well. I suppose it was leaving the bank was a bit of a risk and it did. But I remember a few years ago, it was race week, I wrote a blog for Paddy Power. And it went fairly well. And it was on early in the week. And then they sent me a message. Listen, we'd like to invite you to Ladies Day to our um, our private bar and those free drinks and all this kind of stuff. And I had asked the manager, could I get the day off? And he wasn't able to. And I contacted the area manager and his assistant was like, why are you still here? This is clearly something you're good at, marketing and the writing and that sort of stuff. You know, no offense, but would you not pursue that? So that was one of the kind of kicks up the ass that I got. It was like, yeah, you're right. Was that not a time for banks to actually work on their own PR, maybe use whatever marketing gurus they had at their disposal? Well, I guess like there was this perception. It was cheeky. I, I like to think that I never crossed the line, but I was the content I was putting out there was funny and it was you know, people would not would be afraid to associate it with a bank. I was always kind of had a business mind behind it all. So I'd never, you know, never say anything crude or say anything that, but it was it was cheeky. But a lot of people thought it was a bit vulgar or whatever. So they, they definitely wouldn't say, they'd say, right, he's funny when he comes to talk about women and dates and stuff, but that's not suitable for our brand. Whereas when I was talking to a business or helping any business, I'd say, if I could, gain popularity and being a bit of a dick what could i do for your business which is fantastic and has a lot going for it and i think something really cool that yourself and doug set up as well on facebook was the group what's on in galway yeah that's going really well at the moment um there's so much useful content going in that and particularly i suppose it's ahead of its time in a way but facebook now has moved towards a community-driven platform. And that's something that it's really pushing. So like there's more followers coming to that every day than any of the pages that I'm running nearly at the moment. And, there, you know, there's no social spend or there's no spend on that. It's just based on the content and the amount of people that are getting relevant stuff from it. The success of the Pucon Bar on social media is amazing. Over 120,000 likes now on Facebook, all legitimate. And you yourself have won numerous marketing awards, as you have as well, working with the Connacht Hospitality Group. But here is the interesting thing about the Connacht Hospitality Group. 
The hotel is one of the biggest hotels outside of Dublin in Ireland. There's a range of pubs under its umbrella. There was a spa resort golf club in the mix there. They're all shut, yet you're still active on social media. Well, I think that that's something that's important for business. I mean, so Ivan Orion, the uh, group sales and marketing manager, is still working away. And I'm, I won't say advising or helping out, but it was something that we discussed and we thought that it was important to still have a presence because as you said all of you know well one of our main marketing strategies obviously especially with the pubs is social media but you know we spent a long time building that up and if you let it go and die a death now it'd be very difficult to get it back to a good level also i think that it gives a good perception of the business you know it shows not only the the customers, but also the staff. Listen, we believe that this is going to turn around. We're going to be to the forefront when things do come back. Each business has its own personality and we have different tone for each one. But at the same time, that still fits in. We want people to believe that they're part of a community, which our customers you know, are our community and that's who we need and depend on. So the beauty of social media is that it's a two-way communication tool. So if we can put out messages that people can engage with and interact with, we're still in their mind. They're still thinking about the good times. And, you know, they're remembering the great days they had in Hyde or 1520. And they're looking forward to having them nights out again. So we want to keep in people's minds in the right way. It's important to get the tone right at the moment. It, it can't be salesy. Mm. But at the same time, I do think it's important that brands keep their name out there like everyone is still on the phone probably slightly more than usual now so there is a good opportunity people aren't spending as much so you can build your organic reach if you're putting out relevant and interesting content it doesn't always have to be the funny stuff but as i say it's a soft sell you're not you're not pushing um buy brunch now because you know we're not selling at the moment (laughs) but what if pubs in ireland were going to be still shut for another 12 months If you know that today now, for instance, hypothetically, that bars will not be open until May 2021, do you still think it's worth being active on those channels? I suppose if if it's going to be a long time, I think the uh, pub industry is very innovative in this country and that there's always going to be an angle. There's always going to be a way of providing a service. I think the, the pub is more than selling drink. It's it's community-based, so it's very important for this country. So I do think that in some way, shape, or form, we will be able to stay connected with our customers. I do think that it's such an important part of culture that it would be worth keeping the messaging alive. Like, please, God, obviously, it won't take that long. But as you say, worst case scenario, if it did. And like, look, the pub industry might completely change here in this country. We might, you know, with social distancing and different stuff. But you need to keep people engaged in the process or the changes and let them know what's happening. But even things like nostalgia. I mean, TG Carr were showing the rugby there at the weekend and I was putting up posts about it and the memories and asking who was there. And we were getting good engagement on the likes of that. So like, yes, we're a business. Yes, we're there to try and make money. But at the same time, it's about the feeling and it's about we're all in this together. And we're not just here to take your money on a Friday night. We're all part of Galway and like I remember the 2020 bid myself and Doug were doing huge work on social media throughout that like it's happy and and, and busy Galway is good for all of our businesses so if we can you know play our small part in building the community and showing support there then you know it's, it's we'll get through this quicker together. How can 
a pub though its doors are shut or a small restaurant their doors are shut there's no money coming in they're not part of a big you know hospitality group you know no one's getting paid they're all on social welfare what do you say to someone in that line of business when they may know it's important to keep branding but the resources isn't there the the money isn't there i think this is a great time to learn it's not going to be anyone's number one priority. But at the same time, people have the opportunity to upskill. So I'm doing a good few courses myself online. But like, you know, your number one priority has to be putting food on the table and looking after that. But if there is time in your schedule, if it does allow, I think people could now start learning more about social media and starting to create strategies and platforms for themselves to to learn. So you can be taking the Facebook courses, you can be learning about TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. There's so much information out there that I think you can use this time to learn about social media because it's an integral part of marketing nowadays. And, you know, by by learning, put it into practice. So I think that if nothing else, it can be for owners, they can get an insight into the world of social media, the importance of it, the benefits of it, and they can use this time to practice and upskill on it. But should people be focusing more on their actual website than putting posts up on social media? Because that's where the end sale is, really. Well, obviously, it depends. So, you know, for now, you can sell through Instagram and Facebook um, nowadays. It depends on the customers that you're aiming at. But yes, it's a, it's a good time to drive people to your website. So your website is very important. But one of the main drivers can be social media. So so many people are creating content to say Instagram or, or Facebook or whatever and bringing people that way. And it's a very easy to measure the metric. So yes, you do need to have your website there to sell them. But f- uh, social media channels are one of the best ways to drive people toward it in a cost effective way. What are people doing wrong online in the sense of, like when they're posting? Where are they going wrong? How can they perform better? Well, I suppose for a lot of businesses, if you're doing it yourself, it is it is challenging. And sometimes people are posting for the sake of posting as mm. opposed to uh, having a strategy. So, you know, it, it's all well and good for me because it's my full time job. So I'm able to take time out. I have scheduling tools and I can um, look at the week ahead and go, OK, there's a big match on Saturday. I'll post about that on Friday. Uh, we're doing a lunch special on Friday, so I'll post that at 8 a.m. So people will think about it or see it when they're heading into work in the morning. So I have time to think about these things. But unfortunately for some people, they'll go, oh, geez, I haven't posted this week. I'll just throw up a picture and they won't put much thought into it. They'll just get one up for the sake of it. So it's important to to look at what you've posted uh, in the past and see how it succeeded, what kind of posts work, what don't work, your timings and stuff like that. So it's very important to be not doing it for the sake of doing it, to have an actual strategy and to have high quality. Sometimes the the quality of the photograph isn't good and that doesn't reflect very well on the business. So I'd say less is more, you know, post maybe three to four times a week, but do it very well. And think about it from the customer's point of view. Like sometimes people... Just think about it the way they like to look at social media and what they like. But you have to think about your audience. So if you're a 50-year-old man and your target audience is 18, 19-year-old girls, are you the best person to be posting? Do you know what they're looking for, what they appreciate? So, you know, often I'd be looking at memes for the likes of um, Love is Blind or Too Hot to Handle and these. Wouldn't have a clue what's going on in the show. But if they've got a lot of likes, 
on the various pages that I'm looking at, I know that this is funny and this is a hide post, for example. So it's essential to know your audience and know what they're looking for as well. Like it is interesting, you are wearing different hats. You have Pucon, which me is quite, um, and I might be wrong with the, your target audience. For me, it's kind of, it's laddish, it's sporty, it's loud, it's fun. Hyde is girls night, having great fun, gin, cocktails, you know, all dressed up. Then you have 1520, which I would presume might be a little bit more tourist base it's as it's part of the heart of Goey City Centre down Key Street but you have to wear different hats it's almost like playing dress up I have a mental image like the Connacht Hotel I see myself as a woman in her 40s with a few young kids so you'll see a lot of posts about wine and different stuff like that uh, you're exactly right with the personalities of the previous the residence hotel I'm thinking you know an older American person settled in Ireland that you know so I do literally have a different personality and I'm speaking as that person when I'm posting so it's you know it sounds a bit funny but at the same time you need to know the tone of your vo- the tone of the different premises that you're posting from and to be able to uh to articulate in that way so girls in Hyde aren't going to care that Everton are playing Man United at 12 o'clock on Sunday but you know the Beyonce post will do much better there and stuff like that so it's yeah it's, it's really interesting and do you post most of your stuff through a scheduler? Because like I've read articles before saying that the algorithms of Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter, they don't like these third party apps. They prefer people to do it organically on the website. Yes, I, I, I do schedule them because of the volume of stuff that we're doing. But at the same time, if I see something good, I will post it there and then. So because like there's a lot of competition you want to get the posts out first but you you kind of structure say the the food ones or the drink ones or the room ones and then it's the the humorous ones that are kind of more ad hoc once you see them you want to kind of get them out up and early but you know when you're looking at when you're looking at it it's it's having the consistent posts the posts are getting out at the right time but the reach is is still strong so i'm finding it, that that works for me but it would be impossible otherwise with there's 29 accounts that I run when I'm working. So you couldn't be doing it all ad hoc. Let's talk about digital influencers and you yourself would be one. You would know a lot of them. What does the future hold for digital influencers? I guess influencers like marketing, you know, it's, it's people are always wondering, it's always evolving. But I think that there's obviously going to be a retraction in the, in the spend on influencers at the moment. But I think that they're as important as ever. Like it's blown up in the last three or four years because people are are seeing the benefits of it. I I think one of the the great things about social media is that it's so um, measurable that you can see exactly how many people have seen the post, where they are, the, the demographic of people that have seen it. So if you compare an ad on social media to an ad on the radio or the TV, it's much more, it's much easier to, to measure its success. Mm. So there's a benefit there. I think that influencer marketing, it's a very interesting and a very, in this iteration of it, it's it's a relatively young market. It's been around, I was doing a bit of research there and the first big influencer in the world came out a long time ago and is still a pretty famous person was Santa Claus. All right. (laughs) They're saying that he was one of the first influencers. He was created by Coca-Cola, a person that advocated that brand. And he's obviously evolved into different things, like a lot of influencers do. But the current way that it is, I think it's still a really important uh, and, and relevant way of marketing. As I say, 
everyone nowadays is an influencer, but each yeah. market has niche influencers. So people that are very relevant and, you know, it's not all about the Pippo Connors and the Sosumis, micro influencers know your product well. They're easy to engage with. And again, you can track the campaign. So, you know, often companies like people are posting about products and they're doing it for free. They just do it because they believe in that product or they enjoy that product. So once you build a relationship with an influencer, it's a really beneficial form of marketing. So I do think that it's evolving. I do think that there's going to be more regulation. So it's going to get better. I think at times it can be a little mafia. Like I've come across influencers where they basically follow all their friends' accounts that they manage and they do likewise. And there's this pool of them following each other's accounts, making it look like there's more following than there genuinely is. And then they'd, you know, send their friends slash influencers into a premises where they might get a free meal or free drinks or something. And then they'd be charging up those premises as well for it. And you're just like, wondering how much business are you actually bringing to this place are you just taking them for a ride see it it is interesting there's a lot of things like pods where you'll see the same people commenting the same generic comments on people's posts and stuff like that but as i say it's still a fairly new industry so a lot of people see it as an easy free meal or an easy you know free dress makeup whatever and there's a lot of people that do get into it like every industry for the wrong reason But then there's a lot of very genuine, very talented people out there as well. So someone could get a free dress, but they could spend two or three hours taking photos, getting the ideal lighting that, you know, there's a skill in it. It is. Unfortunately, if you look at your stereotypical blogger, it's going to be a blonde girl in her mid 20s. And you just think, oh, she's just taking a picture. That's all there is to it. I don't think it gets the respect that it deserves at the minute. The work that goes into it, like there's a, there's an awful lot of effort, time, and you're cultivating your audience over time. You're, you're, it does take an awful lot of work. I've seen you walking around town on a Sunday afternoon with two blondes either side of you. And you're, you're telling me you're going around just taking photos with them for the day. And I'm saying I definitely got into the wrong industry. If you had to listen to them, I know these things, does it like I've, I've, you know, like a few friends that you go out with and you could take 150, 200 photos to get two or three good ones, but the shop is getting the benefits. So these, they're posting the pictures, people are seeing it, people are contacting you. Can I have a link to that? This is a very good way of selling because people buy from people. 80% of cosmetic companies are used in influencers because if someone is, you know, that they believe in, that they follow, I have great friends that are, you know, these makeup artists and they're talking about stuff and don't like that, but I do like that. You're much more inclined because it's someone that you have a, a relationship with and it's easier to connect with these people. So it is, especially the younger generations now, it's a re- genuine way of finding information about new products and a way, an easy way to buy them. So it's, definitely a lot more to it than people think but beneficial to businesses how much should people expect to spend on a even micro influencer it really depends on the campaign it depends on how much work is going into it like sometimes it's just an exchange of products so it's a gift so someone will send you clothes or drink or something and you'll just put up a post but then it can be you know, with the professional ones. As I say, there's a lot of work goes into editing the photos and taking the photos and getting someone to help you and 
you have to have equipment, you have to have a very good camera, lighting, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it really varies um, case by case and depends on the amount of work and pre-post campaign work, how many pictures you're putting up, if you're doing it on all your social media channels, how many followers you have and stuff like that. So it really varies. Uh, There's a few agents out there that are helping people. I think a lot of the influencers, I suppose I'm friends with the sound ones, like they really struggle with putting a price on themselves. It is challenging. You know, it might take one of the girls five, say half an hour to take a post and she puts it up and it gets X amount of likes. But it's not for that half an hour of her taking that picture. It's all of the time and effort that's gone into building her up to where she is now that you're paying for. Well, what about commission then? So let's say I sell for every lipstick I sell you get X percent commission. Is that viable with influencers? I think it is. And I think that's a good way of doing it. I mean, ultimately, influencer marketing is about brand awareness. It's getting the name out there. But at the same time, if you can build relationships, so it's better for an influencer and for a business to have less people, but more campaigns. So if some if someone's an advocate of something and they have like, say, we'll do seven different things this year, and you're consistent with that brand. You go, okay, she's with them for a whole year. She's regularly posting about them. Obviously, she believes in it and likes it. It's not just about the money or else she'd have just done it once and forgot about it. So there's a relationship there. So I think that if you can become a brand ambassador like that and you're saying, yes, I believe in what I'm doing. I know I will get you customers. So if you can give me a percentage, then we're going to have a good relationship because I'm going to put more effort, even more effort in because I can see the return on my investment of time. How does someone find the correct influencer for their business? That's a really good question. There is a few influencer agencies out there. I know Andrea Roach and this Creative PR and there's a a few different people. uh, Sinead Carroll, Yummy Mummy does help as well. I think it does require a bit of research. Sometimes I'll sit in the in Umpukon when I'm doing my posting just to get a feel for the place and see what's going on. And say we're talking about bands, myself and the manager, we'd ask the customers that are in, have you heard of this one? Do you like this person? So you'll do your research online, but sometimes it's no harm in asking your customers who they identify with and who they like. Is there more power in these influences maybe amalgamating together as opposed to acting like individuals or are they more powerful as individuals? It's it's a funny market. And as I say, like, you know, if, if you're a full time influencer, there's a limited amount of work out there in a small country like Ireland. Sometimes people would see themselves as competing f- for jobs. Yeah. Like, does it get bitchy amongst them? It can at the at certain levels. And like even I won't say as much bitchy, but it can be challenging. Like I've seen where I've been at an event and then there's other people going posting on social media. Why the hell was I not invited to that and stuff like that? And you do, you'd, you know, if there was something on and go and I wasn't invited, I'd be like, oh, what did I do wrong? But sure, it could be a makeup thing that I wouldn't be relevant for at all. So, you know, because you're putting yourself out there and your personality, you are the product. It's, it's difficult on your mental health and, and your, your emotional well-being as well because they're every, every photo is judged on you as opposed to the pint you yeah. just pulled or the pizza you just made or the room you're selling and should an influencer then just kind of focus on certain sectors as opposed to try to cover a wide range of areas like fitness technology whatever do you know yeah that's a very good question it's something that i kind of debate myself I, when I started out, I was like, okay, 
I'm known for talking about dating. So what's relevant to dating? Well, nice clothes, eating out, nice hotels, loads of different stuff are technically relevant there. There are some people that are like, you know, obviously they're in great shape, so they could give fitness advice. But at the same time, are you qualified? Have you been trained in this? I think it's a bad idea. I think that you should. It it depends on the person, really. But I, I do think that you're better off keeping to a fairly specific area, you know, two or have two or three things that you're known for and and concentrate on that. Again, with makeup artists, there's so many products out there that it's, it's it's that bit easier. If you're into horology or whiskey, you know, you're kind of limited in what you can talk about and it can kind of feel repetitive. But if you can go into something that you're really passionate about, you don't have to post that much, but you will be the person known for that. How does someone go about genuinely getting, we'll say, 10,000 followers on Instagram as opposed to just buying 10,000 followers, which can be done? (laughs) Well, if I knew that, I'd be at 10,000 myself. Okay, so basically, a lot of people say, oh, I want to be a blogger, I want to be this, I want to be that. I will tell them, start it for yourself. You are your only fan. So do this posting to make yourself it's a hobby i love playing soccer i love writing blogs so do it for yourself do it that you enjoy it and if your friends enjoy it brilliant and then if it keeps being fun grow it and it will grow organically and naturally because you'll have more content like when i started writing the blogs about dating i was thinking if i get six months worth of content out of this i'll be doing well five years later i was still writing blogs so once you get more and more into these things it will evolve With blogging, you know, you get invited to more. Once you get invited to one event, you'll get invited to others. So you have more content because Instagram is obviously a very visual platform. So with Twitter, I was, you know, I was able to put my spin on almost anything. I remember I sit when Love Hate was on and live tweet it and I'd be getting great engagement on that. Uh, So I could, that had nothing to do with dating, but I could talk about it in a funny way that was relevant to dating. You know, that was easier i could have four or five very good tweets that i get a few hundred retweets each in that one hour whereas to get a good photo could take ages and you might like over the last week i had you know one photo to take so it it, it really depends on what you're you know but the more work that you put into it the more things you will go to and the more products that you will get sent and the more content you will have so it will grow organically but obviously there's the other things like you know tagging companies, tagging friends, engaging with people, liking and commenting on posts 20 minutes before you post your own post. Elaborate on that for me. So to show the algorithms that it's not just all one way, you need to be seen as a a responsible community uh, or community engagement on Instagram. So this is apparently one of the things that they look for. So if you're commenting on other people's posts and you're liking other people's posts, it's it shares you out more then because of that as opposed to just putting up your own posts. So if you're putting up something for on on Pucon, would you be liking and commenting 20 minutes prior as on Pucon or just as Karen O'Malley? Oh no, as as on Pucon. So that's what you recommended. Obviously, it's not always possible. But what I would try and do then is if I had the time, go into hashtag Galway or hashtag Galway City or hashtag on Pucon and just start liking those posts. The thing that always happens when there's a recession or just cuts need to be made in the budget is the marketing department is the first one to get the hit. What advice would you give to business owners right now? 
I personally believe that marketing now has never been as cost effective. It's much more easy to track the return on investment that you're getting. So you're not just throwing bad money after good. You can really see what's happening. It's a more tangible tool than it's ever been, marketing. And it's a two-way communication tool nowadays. So I think it's it's become, it's always evolving and refining. But now it's so, in, social media is so intuitive and uh, Google ads and there's so much, brilliant information out there that's able to put your product right in the hand of the person that you're trying to sell to, that it's never been more important to lead the revival and the recovery through sales and marketing. So what is going to happen to businesses who have no online presence whatsoever? They have no websites, they don't sell online, they have no social media, they just, they stick to traditional methods, newspaper, handing out flyers, maybe being on the radio every so often. Where do you think they stand now post-COVID-19? I think that they'll struggle. I mean, you know, the old saying, if you stand still, you're going backwards. I'm obviously someone that works in the area of social media, but I completely see that newspapers and radio and television is still very relevant and very important. But they have also embraced the power of social media. Go Away FM social media is fantastic at the minute. The Connacht Tribune's reach currently is phenomenal. Go Advertiser, they have the news before the news happens. Like there is the online activity of those channels is fantastic. So they're embracing a collaborative effort. If you, you know, you can get campaigns shared through the social media and on air, on paper, whatever. I think that it's, it's crazy. It's almost suicide if you're not advertising in a consistent way and social media is the easiest way to do it consistently i think it's important to have other platforms built into your budget but like flyers get kicked away social media websites like the google analytics the tracking that you can do the the knowledge of your audience right now i mean look what trump is doing with with uh, facebook information and, and google information to be able to know the audience. Like it's absolutely incredible the amount of information that's out there. And I think it's negligible for a business to be not advertising in some modern way. And let's take the the other extreme then finally. There's a lot of people now using Zoom and they're putting everything online. They're doing virtual, you know, like if personal trainers doing training online, you have musicians playing gigs online and a lot of it is free. Now, personally, I think they're actually devaluing their brand uh, because, you know, if someone gets something for free, you know, if you go to a restaurant, and you get a free dinner on a Monday night, you come back the following night and you're given a bill of 80 euro. Uh, it's hard to stomach that. Uh, what are your thoughts on all these free virtual happenings on social media at the moment? It's really interesting. And I completely agree with you, to be honest. And there was that case um, a couple of Sundays ago with the expose on the British government. And there was a big, excellent piece, I think it was the Times, where they had done uh, an awful lot of research on what Boris Johnson's missing the Cobra meetings and stuff. And that was behind a paywall. And there was an opportunity to spend a, like a few pounds to get brilliant information. Not only that article, you were in, entitled to much more. But a lot of people were sharing it for free and almost complaining. Like, you, you know, you could get the Irish Independent for 250 a week and people 
I saw today online giving out that anything to do with coronavirus should be free nowadays. But like, would a plumber come over and fix your plumbing for free? Or would you expect a mechanic to fix your car for free just because they're not working nowadays? Like, you're right. It was great at the start because like we're all, this was so surreal and it was really challenging. But now I think it's people are going to have to say, all right, this is the new reality. We're going to have to figure out how to evolve and to try and make money. Like these musicians are used to playing in pubs five nights a week and all of a sudden, or, you know, selling records or whatever. And all of a sudden that potential income has dried up. They're talented. They've put, like influencers, they've put huge work and many years of practice and trial and error and and learning. And they have a skill set and deserve, like everyone else, to be rewarded for that. So I do think that it was lovely at the start. It was a great gesture. But now it's going to start coming to a time where people are going to go, okay, I'm going to do live concerts. Like it's difficult because the whole industry have to has to do it. If Johnny that plays in the local pub is charging three euro to listen and Gareth Brooks is doing a concert online for free, you know, you're going to listen to Gareth Brooks. But at the same time, I think it will have to move in that direction that people are getting rewarded for their talent. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it does pan out because um, there's always been that thing of people not really, they'll happily spend online to do online shopping, but just to pay for things online, whether it's a a newspaper subscription or legally download a song or a movie has always been a slow burner in terms of people forming a habit, knowing that it is the right thing to do. So uh, interesting times ahead. Any final thoughts, advice that you'd kind of give to business owners out there or people working in digital marketing or even influencers out there? Is it doom and gloom? I honestly believe this is a unique opportunity in our for our generation. It's time to take stock of what you really want. So I've kind of done a lot of thinking where where have I come from? Where am I going? What what makes me happy? What makes me tick? So like I wrote a blog there. It's the first time in a few years that I've wrote one of my funny blogs and it's something that I really enjoy. Finally, we have an opportunity to to sit back, see what makes us happy and try and do that. So I think there's a great opportunity to upskill, to learn, to do research on different topics and, and stuff. Uh, so you can A, educate yourself, but B, and most importantly, find out what matters for you and what makes you really happy and if you can do that and make money at the same time then that's going to be absolutely amazing so i've been talking to an awful lot of people recently who are embracing this time who find it fantastic who have found a new passion or a new way of looking at things so i think that we're going to come out of this there's going to be so much creativity there's going to be so much energy people are going to want to attend things want to support uh, new events new music new creativity I honestly think that this, after this, is going to see an outpouring of of really talented, creative uh, stuff coming out. Yeah, I really hope you're right. I mean, I think we were in a period where we did have the luxury. If you didn't like a job, you could just leave it and get another job and possibly get a job that you want. I personally fear that it's could be darkness that awaits us in the sense of it doesn't matter what you want in life, you may just have to end up doing the job that you can get because the economy is just going to be so badly hit. But I think the economy will be hit. But at the same time, people are going to say, right, money isn't everything. Happiness, my family does mean a lot to me. So that that's my focus. And it's a case of 
working to live as opposed to living to work, you know, so people are going to shift their priorities in some way. Depends how long this goes on for, because, you know, humans do uh, change behavior quite quickly. So if we become used to something, I think the whole, you know, hugging, handshaking, all that kind of stuff, it's going to be interesting to see what human interactions are like after this. But I think an awful lot of people are going to realign their priorities and go, what is, you know, is working till nine o'clock every evening more important than tucking my kids into bed or being there to play football with them in the back garden? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Look, uh, for those who really aren't familiar with social media, where's the best place that people can find you online and even read your blogs? Well, my website is goawayplayer.ie and then uh, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at goawayplayer. Kieran O'Malley, thanks a million for joining us on Gary Talks. Thanks, Gary. Pleasure. So there you go. Hopefully that helps give you a better understanding of what you need to be doing online. I will say that the Irish Prime Minister, Antishok Leo of Radcar, announced this weekend in Ireland a roadmap for businesses and society and at what stages we can expect different sectors to reopen. If you are in business, especially in Ireland, you now know when you should be back up and running. Use this time now to get your business ready and open with a bang. Make it an event. Make it special. Drive business through your doors. As always, you can contact my company, GK Media, directly if you need further help or wish to avail of an online consultation. Please follow GK Media on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn. Gary Talks is also on Instagram and we have a special Facebook group as well, which you can find uh, by simply typing in Gary Talks on Facebook and I'll be uploading various content there as well to help you on the road to recovery. And most importantly, as we always ask, please subscribe to this podcast. Thank you.